Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now! And welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of the Quinn Spin. I'm your host, the Quinn, and I'm here for the first time ever coming to you from good old Music City. Nashville, Tennessee. See, a lot has happened over the past several months. For one thing, I live here now. For another thing, Underground Music Collective lives here now. We relocated our base content operations to Nashville at the end of November. Kind of took a break from the show, get some things squared away, get through the holidays, and ever since January, it's been full steam ahead toward this episode. By the way, you just heard Revel 9's All I've Become, our long-standing opening theme. We're going to debut the closing theme, the new one here on the Quinspin later in the show. So, a little bit of a different format this time around. We're going to feature, primarily on the show, conversations with musicians, producers, entrepreneurs, content creators, and the like. They're going to share their insights on what it takes to succeed in the music industry, and we're going to be recording each of these episodes, which will come out on the first Monday of every month, here at Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, Tennessee, otherwise known as home. So, I figured it was a good starting point to welcome today's guest to the show, Mr. Logan Kroll, the founder and president of Helping Our Music Evolve. Logan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I gave a little bit of these answers away for you already, but in your own words, I ask every guest to the show three standard questions, and those questions are, who are you, what do you do, and why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? <laughs> uh, so who am I? I'm Logan Crowell. I am the founder and president of Helping Our Music Evolve. Uh, home, we call it HOME, so it's an acronym. Uh, and we basically provide a collaborative workspace for musicians and music industry professionals. We're here in East Nashville. We have a um, co-working space, rehearsal space, recording space, event space, uh, combo thing that's 24-7 membership style access you can get in here any time of day and do your thing man so uh, that's what I do and I came on here because honestly you work here at home uh, in our co-working space and man I see you grinding I see you doing good things I see you connecting with a lot of the artists a lot of the other industry professionals that are in here and uh, I think you're going places, man. So I want to support you however I can. And, and here I am. Appreciate that. Thank you. Likewise, feelings mutual. I have a lot of respect for what you've been able to do here, which we're going to talk about here on the show today. But first, let's get into a little bit of your background and kind of what brought you to this point. So you grew up in Arkansas, musician. Um, and what I want to do is get a sense of, as you've gone through those formative experiences, get a sense of the people, the places, the experiences that have really inspired and influenced you. Yeah, so I I did. I I was born in Arkansas in a little rural town. Uh, I grew up riding horses and listening to country music, uh, country and and, uh, also some like gospel and contemporary Christian uh, type music. That was really all I was exposed to. Uh, for a long time, and then I started getting into rock and roll. Saw my first jam band show when I was 17. I saw Widespread Panic, and uh, that actually influenced me to start playing hand percussion. They've got a really awesome uh, percussionist, uh, Sonny Ortiz, um, who uh, just blew me away with what he could do with his two hands. And 
I loved to dance and it was so groovy and fun and it really kind of changed my life, man. Uh, and so that was what got me into playing music. And I started uh, originally as a percussionist. Uh, then I moved on to drums. And then I later on started playing guitar and writing songs in my mid-20s. Uh, I started really getting into songwriting. And that's when I started getting serious about it. It, was, it became more than a hobby at that point. And um, I had also uh, spent some time uh, in Spain so I did a study abroad uh, semester in Madrid, and I went to like 15 different countries that year. I uh, did a ton of traveling. I was only going to school like two days a week. I somehow uh, bamboozled my way into, <laughs> into like the sweetest schedule ever. Um, and I had saved up a whole bunch of money to spend while I was over there, and it was just the coolest experience. So I'm, I'm very much culturally minded uh, and informed. Uh, love uh, world music love all kinds of music all kinds of cultures all kinds of people and that's part of the culture we're building here is just being very inclusive of all those genres all those people from all walks of life as long as you've got a positive attitude uh and you're in here uh, doing the right thing and 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 building a, a, a something cool then man come on in work with us so that's a that's a little bit. I'm not. I think I've got off topic, but let no, me know if I missed anything. No, the more the better. The more okay, the cool. more color we can add to 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 paint this portrait, the better. Um, so grew up in Arkansas, spent a whole bunch of time traveling. Now you're here in Nashville. So how did you get here, and what brought you? What what inspired you to come here? So once I got really serious about. Um, writing and playing music and uh, I started recording as well I started playing gigs I quickly realized that um, I had topped out I was in Little Rock Arkansas I was playing shows making anywhere from you know 250 sometimes four or five hundred dollars to play a solo gig um, in Arkansas you can make a living doing that actually um, and there's some little circuits where you can do that but you know my my measure of success was like headlining Red Rocks, you know, it wasn't really to keep playing this little bar scene in Arkansas. And so um, I started digging into the music industry and uh, trying to do some research into how it all worked. I went down this DIY musician path. Uh, didn't take me too long to realize that really wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be either and that I needed to learn um, about the industry. And so I, I, I found out about the adult degree program at Belmont. Belmont has an incredible music business program. Highly recommend it. And not only do they teach you about the music business, they actually plug you in. They like really, really plug you in with um, a lot of music industry professionals who will give you feedback, give you guidance and mentorship along the way. And, uh, you know, I... I thought it was an awesome opportunity. I found out I could complete my degree in three semesters and um, figured out how to get some loans to, to make that happen and made the move. Mm -hmm. so. so what were some of the things that you noticed or picked up on about Nashville and about this scene and its, its impact on the greater industry uh, when, when you came here? Um, what I noticed is that it's not all country here. Um, it's actually open to all genres, which made me really happy. I was kind of worried about uh, pigeonholing that. And I also noticed that the level of talent in this town is just ridiculous. I would say there are more 
uh, talented music professionals per capita in this uh, town than anywhere on the globe. I think that's indisputable, honestly. Um, and it helped me realize how far I had to go. It really humbled me and, um, you know, put me in my place and helped me kind of wrap my head around how I might be able to add value to the ecosystem in, in a different way uh, other than just playing music. Mm-hmm. So, so home, of course, being the realization of that vision in progress. So talk about the beginnings of helping our music evolve and what was involved in getting this thing off the ground, first in defining that vision and then acting on that. Yeah, that's a that's a really big long conversation. But uh, <laughs> so it, it started. I I basically uh, I got some really bad inflammation in my left hand, made it to where I couldn't play guitar anymore. Guitar was my main uh, you know instrument of choice, and also how I wrote songs. It kind of left a big gaping hole in my life. Um, I simultaneously was learning about the business and learning all the things I was doing wrong as an artist. And I've always loved development. I've always loved uh, developing myself, and I've always loved teaching and helping people. And so I decided I was going to go down the path of doing artist development instead of um, being the artist. And it wasn't long after I made that decision that I had... um, the biggest moment of inspiration I'd say in my entire life. And that's whenever I had the, the vision to, to do this thing. Um, and it really hit me, you know, like, like a, what I say is like, I downloaded a whole bunch of encrypted information. You know, I could feel the weight of how much it was, but I couldn't really fully understand how it was going to work yet. Mm. Um, and but I just knew it was a game changer. Mm-hmm. I knew that it could be revolutionary, literally revolutionary for artists and music producers everywhere to have a membership based uh, affordable space where they can work and collaborate and network and, and move their projects forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fleshing it out, you know, I just uh started literally with like what's the one thing I can do I you know I need to come up with a name for it or I need to you know uh, once I had a name uh, I need to file the paperwork with the IRS once I filed the paperwork with the IRS you know um, I need to start to come up with a real business model and start thinking about some different numbers I need to put up a website for it oh if i need a website what if this thing does get as big as i think i'll probably need some sort of custom tech as well to host a directory so i started building that um so there was just a a mountain of things to do but i was doing i was simultaneously growing another business at the time uh called record realization and we were doing booking and um uh talent buying activities and, and some promotion stuff and um I just kept coming back to it. I would spend, you know, sometimes a couple hours in a week. Sometimes I would spend 10 hours a week. Sometimes I would spend more than that. Um, but that's really what I was doing for the first year. And I think that that goes to show you that even in your spare time, you know, there's no excuses. I love the Gary V sort of mm-hmm. mentality, you know, where he's just like, dude, get off, off your ass and, you know, like make it happen if mm-hmm. it's going to happen, you know, yep. start putting in the time. And lo and behold, things add up, 
over time, you know, they say we, we really overestimate what we can do in a day and really, really underestimate what we can do in a year. Mm-hmm. And so um, about a year in, I realized there was nothing left to do other than find a space. And if I was going to need, if I was going to find a space, I was going to need money. I kind of stumbled onto a space that didn't end up being the uh, final version or didn't end up being where we landed, but it made me go after a little bit of money and um, found a a small business loan and then um, actually had uh, secured this $50,000 small business loan uh, before I met the owner of Center 615. Who, um, that's where we're at. Home is inside of Center 615, which is a, uh, this particular building is called the main building. It's a 50,000 square foot office uh, event space and, and co-working space. And then there's two other buildings on this campus. And he's uh, the same guy owns a, a big uh, collaborative video production facility up, uh, up the road called Studio 615. So guy loves the idea of collaboration the sort of sharing sharing economy co-working model um and and whenever i met him it was a big game changer he saw the the validity of my concept he saw that uh he saw the work i'd put in um a tremendous amount of work to that point he loved the brand um and we started building a personal relationship as well and then uh, once he was ready to pour over a million dollars into his own infrastructure and his building in order to set me up uh, for success, then uh, I found bankers that were willing to give me more money. Mm-hmm. And I, and I uh, took out a couple hundred more thousand dollars. And, and my butt's on the line for all this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was building a nonprofit, which is, you know, foolish by some people's standards. Um, but I... I I really believe in this vision, and I really believe that this is going to take off, and uh, these things are going to exist everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, these little collaborative uh, music spaces. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, and you would think this would be different in Nashville. There was nothing like this here. There was nothing like this where people could come in and just co-work and share ideas and collaborate and in this meaningful of a way. So, talk about recognizing that need and how that also inspired you yeah i can track it back uh recognizing the need i can track back to still being here as an artist and saying why isn't there a community center for all the music people here i saw i was living in a little one-bedroom apartment on the south side of town and i saw you know people moving in there that were musicians and we didn't even have a place we could jam you know, some of the new apartment complexes are putting some, like, rehearsal space and stuff in the apartment complexes, which is pretty cool. Uh, but I didn't even know about that at the time, nor could I afford one of those <laughs> apartment complexes. Um, but, you know, I just kept thinking, man, it seems like there would be a community center for everybody, like just something that was run by the, the city. You know, I thought about contacting the mayor's office about it. Like, why isn't there just a a basic place where you can go get some information and, and meet some other music people. Maybe there's some pool tables or something in there and some hang space, you know? Um, I was like, that seems like this town, like a no-brainer for this town. And then once I decided to do the artist development thing, I wrapped my head around, uh, you know, the huge need for production and rehearsal space and really, uh, honestly, content creation and, and the crazy amount of content that you have to create uh, to build an audience uh, as an artist and really as any company at this point. 
Um, and I was like, wow, this is just an extremely daunting thing for anybody to take on. So why isn't there a sort of pay-as-you-go model, um, you know, a sort of subscription or, or membership-based model where you can just get in there and start kind of coming up with an operations budget and and start working, you know, and not like, oh, man, I've got to save up, you know, two grand to, to rent this studio for two days and pay the engineer and then, you know, I've got to pay my mix guy because I'm, I'm doing an album. I've got to save up, like, you know, another couple grand to pay my mix. And it's like, that's not sustainable, man, mm-hmm. at all. You got to just get in here and do it. And you got to keep piecing it together. Improvise. If You know, build your team. Get people on your team that, that know what they're doing and can help you. And that's so. a very important point, too, I think, is... You know, so many of us, you know, regardless of what our role is, we all have things that we aren't necessarily good at, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a musician, you might not know the first thing about social media. You might need somebody to help you do that, or you might need a photographer, because obviously you're up there playing, you can't take photos of yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So let, let's go into that a little bit and how home helps those people come together. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is it's a, it's a real place. I'd say that the second thing is its location is awesome. Uh, we really lucked out. We're at 615 Main Street here in East Nashville. So we're like literally halfway in between downtown and Five Points. You could walk to downtown from here or you could walk to Five Points, which is two of the coolest, most happening places to be in Nashville. Um, and then, you know, we, we went the extra mile in design and making the space like where we would want to spend time if we're the music creators. So obviously people have have designed and built a ton of great studios. What you see in the way of like rehearsal space, though, is a different story. People usually just, you know, throw some rooms together and there's tons of bleed and they're just looking for how much money they can make by cramming enough people into a small space, you know, and selling them lockouts or, or hourly rentals. And that was never the goal here. The goal was to build a place where everybody could get together, get a community center first and foremost. You know, it was after I had the idea that the community center could also have an industry-grade production and performance facility in it that I was like, well, that's just a no-brainer. i got to at least try to do that because it's too good of an idea to, to not do. And, again, I had a, a, just a ridiculous, you know, moment of inspiration where I – it was it just hit me like a lightning bolt that this might be my uh magnum opus as they say mm-hmm. your your grand work for your life your legacy mm-hmm. so um yeah anyway the you know the, the way that we bring people together you know is giving a, them a space where they would want to hang out and want to work right so it's designed for industry grade results it's designed for cool vibey photos and and, and videos um you know and then i wanted to build it as an as a non-profit trade organization so that i could actually figure out a way to make it more affordable for people um which is pretty bizarre for an entrepreneur to to do that i uh, don't get me wrong there are plenty of people like me out there who have a heart to do good but, you know, when you're starting a business, you're usually like crunching numbers on how much money can I make, not mm-hmm. how affordable could I possibly make this for people. 
you know, to have access to a facility like this, that's, you know, million dollar facility, you know, it's mm-hmm. so. But that's playing to your audience too, because the old stereotype of the starving artist, right. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, musicians in particular don't always have the most uh, money to spend on right. the things that they need. And, and then we top it all off with, with really cool events. And, um, you know, for me, education stuff, and I'd love to see the response from the workshops and things. We're really growing a pretty good, um, uh, I guess, notoriety in town and following. People just follow our events page and come to our workshops and events. Uh, we're pretty soon going to make it. Most, The vast majority of all that will be members only. Uh, but that's the way that we've been growing it and getting people in here, man. We throw parties sometimes. We have big mixers. We partner up with... Uh, um, you know, other reputable companies, Lightning 100, um, you know, Music Biz, uh, different uh, CD Baby. We did we did a couple of big uh, high-profile events with last year, some different audio uh, manufacturers as well. So, you know, once you have a space and, and you really genuinely want creative people to come hang, and, and if you've done it to the level that we've done it, then... You know, it's just about getting the word out, I think, at that point. So let's talk about some of the challenges associated with this. Obviously, any entrepreneur is going to face challenges. But for something of this magnitude, there have to be some that, you know, you recognized and had to figure out how to address right from the start. Uh, yeah, the the challenges. I think I already kind of touched on the money thing. So I'll, I'll leave that one behind. Um, but the the challenge i think for anybody with a with a project um of the scope of this or or really building a big business if you if you envision your your biz, business or your company or your band or your uh music reaching a a big big audience a global uh, or or even a a national audience um i i think the the biggest challenge is always going to be um, making yourself better so your business or your art or your company the how good that is will be a direct reflection of how much time you spend making yourself better at what you do so the trick and it's the same with the artists you know it's like okay well i have to constantly work to make myself a better artist songwriter singer performer but I have to also figure out how to push my career forward somehow. And, you know, the same is true for entrepreneurs. You know, they say that, you know, you, you, I can't even remember the saying now. Um, but I know one thing my stepdad says, he's like, um, you know, I, I only, um, I only have to work a half a day. Then I get to decide what to do with the other 12 hours, you know? <laughs> and uh, so it's like, just understanding that whenever you go down the path of being your own boss and being an entrepreneur, you're going to have to put in stupid amounts of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundred hour weeks, a lot of times, uh, developing, uh, your business and your craft. And part of that, a big chunk of that should be developing yourself to be better at what you do. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, a writer, then that means like, really being brutal with yourself and, 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 you know, getting people to poke holes in your, in your writing and in your style and in your format or, or in your songs. 
Um, for me, as a as a what I would say my my best term uh, in the, in this current role for me is leader. So I have to learn to be a better leader constantly. So I'm not only leading my team and my interns and my sort of uh, you know auxiliary um, leadership uh, team here, but I'm also leading the um, the charge for for all the members. Um, I'm also, you know, the one that people, uh, you know, I, I've now put myself very much in the spotlight um, as far as being a leader in the community as well and a voice for the local um, uh, music community. And so I have to constantly make myself better and better at what I do, challenge myself um, to take it to the next level to improve my skills in every area that's important for me to uh, take my business or it's really not my business anymore it's it's our organization to the level that I want it to be but as the leader it's only going to get as far as I can take it and I can only take it as far as the time that I've put in to develop myself into that type of person the resilience the strength the focus the determination the uh, the efficiency probably is one of the most important things too mm. so. and those, those constant looks in the mirror those kind of self checks and balances can often be uncomfortable especially for creative minded people you know, oh yeah oftentimes you know we get kind of precious about how we got to where we are you know and we'll hold on to certain you know choices you know, whether or not they're relevant anymore, whether or not those choices really work, you know, mm -hmm. toward what we're trying to do. Right. Yep. So surely, I mean, like any creative, you've struggled with that a little bit and just talk about overcoming that challenge. Yeah, man. Overcoming the challenge of, of, of knowing what to do. Well, so like there was kind of two questions there. The first, I think, has to do with like resting on your laurels. Mm -hmm. Like once you've kind of got a, a notch under your belt or something, the temptation, like, mm -hmm. Like I walk in here and I see what I built and like I could probably kind of put it in cruise control and just chill. I mean, we're we're growing by word of mouth at this point. You know, why do I need to scale it to all these other places? Right. Um, you know, and that really just goes down to your purpose and your mission, man. Like because if that's not your your driving force, then you you absolutely will not have what it takes to take it to that level. The second piece of that, you know, once you decide, yes, you are going to take it to that level and understanding the massive amount of things that you have to do to get it to where you you envision it going uh, is like, what do you choose to focus on, right? Um, for me, I would say meditation has been one of my biggest helpers. I meditate every morning and I've spent, you know, years meditating at this point, Um I consider uh, my personal development to be threefold, mind, body, and spirit. So I read a ton of books. Um, I work out and I exercise and I make sure my body is strong. Uh, whether or not you need it for your job, it gives you confidence. So you will need a ton of that mm -hmm. if you plan on taking the business to the next level. So go make those gains, everybody. Yeah. Public service announcement from the Quinn spin. Uh, uh. And then uh, <laughs> for sure, man, you know, or at least do something uh, to build that confidence on the physical, uh, you know, in your like sort of physical life. And then um, spiritual for me, you know, you don't have to be religious or whatever, but man, I'm telling you what meditation works. And if you read books that are full of wisdom uh, that have come from enlightened people, 
then you too will gain wisdom and enlightenment along the way. And there's a there there's multitude of ways to practice that, but I highly recommend a some sort of morning practice, so like a morning ritual. Um, where you spend some time in the morning refocusing on your purpose, um, meditating, maybe exercising, doing some yoga, whatever it is that um, will get you feeling uh, amazing, confident, powerful, focused, energized, all those awesome words that we all want to feel all the time. And then, um, you know, I would say, you know, as far as the morning practice goes, um looking at, you know, what it is that's going to keep you inspired, right? So it's like, even if you have the focus and the determination and all the other things I just mentioned, but you don't have the inspiration, man, you're just pushing through all the time. But if you can somehow tune back in with what got you inspired to do what you're doing in the first place, um, that'll carry you a long way. Absolutely, man. So as you've progressed on your journey, you know, through developing, helping our music evolve through your own personal journey, what's one lesson that you wish that you've learned that you wish you had known from the start of this whole thing? I would say the biggest thing I'm grappling with right now that I wish I would have known is um, if, how to effectively delegate. Um, and and basically compartmentalize different scopes of work um, in ways that can be handed off effectively to other people uh, because you only have so much time. And then so say you've done you're doing the morning practice, you're kind of dialed in, you're in the flow and you know, you know exactly what you should be doing. But man, once you've got a gazillion other things that you have to do for your thing to even work, so call it operations or whatever, then, you know, it's hard, man. You got to, again, that's where it comes into working long hours. And so you can save yourself a lot of headache if you, if you learn how to effectively delegate and focus on what you're best at, you know, your, your high leverage, high impact stuff, your, you know, your 20% of actions that are driving 80% of your outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a struggle for all of us at times to, again, you know, not be precious about controlling all the things, you know, and as entrepreneurs, especially if you're type A like me, you know, you want to make sure that everything's kind of moving along with, you know, in the same vein and the vision of this thing you created. But there comes that step back that you need to take, right, where you just kind of realize, okay, I'm not the best at this. This person, though, is really skilled here. Maybe mm -hmm. we can work together on this again oh. all in that collaborative spirit here that you know you fostered with helping our music evolve yeah absolutely man i highly recommend doing whatever it takes uh, you know team building wise whether you need to study a little bit do some personality tests figure out what you love and and what you're good at because um, the combination of those two things if you're good at something and you love to do it man that's powerful so fill in the gaps on your team with other people that are really good at stuff and love to do stuff as well. Um, and yeah, everybody figure out how to make it equitable between themselves, whether that means you guys start a, some sort of partnership or company or um, have some sort of back-end agreement or whether you can just afford to pay people, which is ideal. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, in a perfect world. <laughs> in a perfect world. <laughs> so we talked a lot uh, offline about the value 
of joining up here at home and what that brings to different people in different aspects of the music industry. So, you know, you have your industry professionals, you have your producers, your engineers, you also have your artists. So take us through those three uh, prototype home members and what each of them can get out of this. Yeah. So I think it's easiest, you know, to look at the industry professionals and, and, this has been one of the saving graces that that I started home here in Nashville. I often wonder if it would have worked anywhere um, else. But we're so heavy on on music industry, not only music industry but aspiring music industry. And there's also a really strong entrepreneur culture here, and so co-working is becoming more and more popular. And you can just compare prices. We're about half as much as it would cost to go work at WeWork. We're probably the most um, affordable co-working option in town if you are into music because we are a trade organization and we actually uh, will not accept any members who aren't working in that trade. So it's a pretty easy thing for them to understand you know, intuitively how important it is to be around other music business pr- professionals. That's how the opportunities come along. Uh, for the producers and the engineers, the videographers, photographers, those sorts of people, um, it's also pretty obvious. We have a killer industry-grade facility. Um, you can get industry-level recordings. Uh, these rooms sound amazing. They're perfectly tuned, perfectly shaped to, to mix records. We can track live bands. You can do video, photography shoots here, all of that. Not to mention we have a ton of artists who need that kind of stuff. So if you can pick up a couple of clients along the way, then your membership pays for itself, basically. Um, It gets a little trickier for the artists, and and this is, again, why I wonder if it would have worked. Because the artists so far have been the least engaged, Um not because they don't love the space, but because they don't understand how imperative it is to show up mm-hmm. and just be around and be awesome around people who can do stuff for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and it seems like that would be a, a, a no-brainer, but I would say another piece of this was like once we opened, we had to get to a certain point, a certain number of members before people just organically started showing up for no reason. It's finally happening, and we're almost a year old. Mm-hmm. So I have high hopes for what this, you know, what year two brings in the way of getting the artists really engaged and just hanging out up here, man. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you're up here recording. Come play pool or ping pong or hang out on the roof. Just it's mind-boggling, you know, to me sometimes uh, mm-hmm. because there's about 190-some-odd keys to this place floating around in Nashville right now. You know, and we're here on a Saturday right now, and there's only a handful of people here. And it's actually a pretty nice day, you know. Um, so on one hand, that, that portends well for us because that means we have plenty of room to grow, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. Uh, on the other hand, it still makes me wonder how, how I need, can change the messaging and, and continue delineating the value proposition for the artists so that they fully understand how important it is to show up mm-hmm. and be around, build the relationships. And when you're awesome uh, at what you do and, and you're awesome at building relationships with people that can help you get to where you want to be, man, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So. And the relationship building is so important. I think no matter 
what entrepreneurial endeavor <laughs> you're, you're embarking upon, you need to build those relationships. And also, I think a very important lesson, too, is understanding that that's all part of the work that you put in. You know, yes. it's it's part actually practicing and honing your craft as a performer, as it were, you know, playing music, writing songs, but it's building those relationships. It's building that brand. It's enlisting the help of those who can help you with that brand. Absolutely. And I feel like so many people, especially people who are just starting out, just starting to write songs, just starting to perform, don't really see that as the whole picture of it. You know, there seems to be, especially I think in smaller markets this this idea of okay well if i'm just good and i keep playing out in the circuit eventually i'm going to go beyond that but there's so much miss there because there are so many relationships that aren't being built and it just kind of creates this bubble effect you know if you keep doing the same things over and over you're going to keep doing the same things yeah that goes back to what i was saying about you know my experience you know as an artist and you know thank god i had some you know, I've, I've just naturally got a lot of business savvy, and I, I studied business the first time I went to college too. Um, so I think I kind of got through that phase a little quicker. You know, I did that for like a year and a half before I realized. And again, I was making money, but I was like, this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Knew for sure it wasn't, and I, you know, and it didn't make sense for me to go tour and spend all my money. And, and make less money in places that nobody knew me, you know. You got to go where the industry is. Yeah, you know? exactly. You do, yeah. man. You got to go where it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't get to headline Red Rocks without a massive team of people behind you. Mm-hmm. You just don't. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. And without digging in and doing that work and learning those lessons, too. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I think you and I have, you know, very similar story in that regard because same thing, you know, it's like, okay, you know, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, everybody knew as it was known at the time, Lehigh Valley Underground, you know, and it's like, okay, I can keep doing this and I can keep, I can keep doing this or I can go where the industry is, you know, and I can go to this place where people are actively doing this thing. Yeah. I'm not, you know, the big fish in the small pond. I walk in here nobody knows me, you know, but that's a good thing because, it helps me know what I need to learn. It helps me build new relationships. You know, I could tell you the first time I walked in the door here at home, I knew I was signing up right. because of the people that were in here, you know, coming to balance breakfast on those Friday mornings, you know, was so valuable just being part of those conversations and being like, okay, like maybe I don't know everything I need to know about the industry yet, but I do know that we all kind of think alike in this room, which is really empowering for somebody coming from a smaller market Absolutely. into a market like this one. You know, and just seeing that value, you know, just seeing it all around, seeing that there's a space like this where people can come literally anytime they want, three in the morning, and create, you know, and you don't know who you're going to run into or how you might end up working with that person or just becoming friends with that person. Absolutely. You know, and there's so much, I think, that can be learned here and, you know, with what happens in this building, no matter where you are in the country. You know, so with that, let's talk about the future (laughs) and kind of your grand vision for home and how you want to see this develop and help artists and industry people, not only here in Nashville, but perhaps outside. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go kind of all the way there and I'm going to try to do it fairly quickly. Okay. Um, we're not but, bound to radio format, so you have time. <laughs> but, but this is basically the way I see it playing out. Uh-huh. And, and the re- one of the reasons why I believe this is a revolutionary concept and absolutely going to change the game. Um, right now we're building the industry relationships 
um, to provide a sort of centralized uh, power structure here. Mm-hmm. Um, you need power in the music industry to do anything. I mean, and I don't mean that in a like a weird, you know, negative way. I mean that in the sense of like, why does anybody care what you have to say? Why do the people that are really pulling, you know, calling the shots, why would they pick up your phone call? Chances are they wouldn't. But once we grow this organization enough, they will pick up a call from this organization. So there's a collective representation piece to all of this. And there is a sort of cream rises to the top mentality. So once we're done prototyping this particular um, facility and we know how this all works and we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that it will work in other places very well and very smoothly and we have the money on board to grow it the way that we want to, um, I believe that they'll start popping up uh, everywhere that they're needed and then they'll basically... Uh, so say there's one in, let's use Denver, Colorado, for example, and there's just a, a killer rock band out there, right? And the local uh, member success specialist, which is one of the uh, job titles that uh, will be present there on the facility, um, kind of kicks some, you know, kicks it up the ladder to either, you know, some sort of... Uh, you know, director of marketing or maybe our director of operations or something like that, who then um, gets them on a showcase in Nashville in front of, uh, you know, a, a team like Red Light Management or CAA or something like that. Uh, because the person who was actually there, the member success specialist in Denver, saw how talented they are, saw their work ethic, did a little bit of research into into them and and saw they had market viability. Their streaming was picking up. Their socials looked good. All that kind of stuff. Uh, saw that they could really potentially um, move, make the move down to Nashville if um, it made sense for them, and then made it happen. Right. And then of course you can't ever decide for the agent or the manager or the label or the label service company, or, or the, the curators, or whoever it is, um, what's right for them and what they're going to like. But we can put you out there. That's the cool thing. We've got the relationships to get you in front of pretty much anybody. I mean, and this is pretty early on. I can't say pretty much anybody everywhere, but pretty much anybody in Nashville. And once we have one in L.A., we same thing. it'll be the same thing there because we'll have a local presence, same thing in New York, and so on and so forth. And so home becomes an umbrella. And then you combine that uh, with tech and our ability to um, database uh, and to uh, data tag uh, members, their skills, their resources, the genres that they play or are interested in, um, and the uh, instruments that they play and all, all those sorts of things. We can data tag their music. Um, we're looking at creating a library for the, the members' music uh, to, to where uh, other um, members who have, um, you know, 
hookups in the licensing world can can search through it really easily. There are all these things that we can administer um, as a centralized organization uh, that will allow people to move through the um, music industry landscape in a much more efficient and faster way. Big expectations here at helping our music evolve. And you know what? I see it. You know, I see it already. I kind of see that whole thing coming together, you know, where little by little, relationship by relationship, it's building, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's a really exciting thing about it and kind of being here, you know, and still what might be kind of an early stage when you consider the grand absolutely super early stage (laughs) you know so it's it's exciting you know for i think me and for other members to kind of see that you know on the ground floor you know have that sense of excitement for what the future might hold so logan kroll founder and president of helping our music evolve otherwise known as home here in nashville logan thank you for joining us absolutely before uh we let you go first tell people where they can find out more about home online and also anything you have coming up here yep you can find us online at helpingmusic.org and we also have an online community membership. So um, we're going to uh, generate a special coupon code for any listeners out there. It's going to be uh, Underground Music Collective, no spaces, capitalize the first letter in each word. And that will be a special coupon code to get you three free months on the online music community if you so choose to do. And, um, yeah, you can find us on socials at Helping Music. You can, if you're local and you want to come hang out, keep an eye on our events. You can find those on our Facebook page at Helping Music. Uh, we're planning some events with Waves Audio out here. We're planning some events uh, in April with the Music Biz Conference. We're planning another uh, Writer's Night with Lightning 100. Uh, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. A lot of cool things are going to be happening this summer, too, because summer in Nashville is awesome. It'll be my first so, one. I'm really yeah. excited. <laughs> so very much looking forward to what the future holds in all regards here at home and, of course, in Nashville and on the Quinn Spin. Now, we'll be here every single month here on Anchor.fm, also looking at getting this distributed to platforms like Spotify and iTunes very soon. Anchor.fm, of course, being our jumping off point for that. For updates, make sure you visit the Quinn Spin on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Two ends in Quinn, two ends in Spin. And also make sure you visit undergroundmusiccollective.com. That's our central hub for all of the work we're doing here in Nashville, Pennsylvania, and beyond. Also, make sure you visit U Music Collective, the letter U, of course, on Facebook and Instagram, and Collective UM on Twitter. You might have noticed, if you're a longtime listener, we've been doing this since 2013. Aside from our opening and closing theme songs, you didn't hear any music on this episode. Well, that's because we're tying that in with Underground Music Collective's UMC 20 Spotify playlist. We release this every single Monday, and of course, Mondays when there's a new Quinn Spin, which for now is the first Monday of every month, we'll be tying it in with that episode. So... For instance, you go over to that playlist right now, you're going to hear our opening theme, Revel 9's All I've Become, our closing theme, which we'll tell you a little bit about in just a minute, and some select tracks from artists who base a lot of what they do right here at Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville. Now, I promised a little information about our new closing theme song, so we had some tough decisions to make. want to thank everyone, of course, who submitted their track or tracks for consideration. We went with 
an artist based right here in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's the Mad Sugars, their new single, We Want the Night. Interestingly enough, if you're looking for a piece of Quinspin trivia, which I'm sure you are, the Mad Sugars, back in 2013, the first band we ever played on any of our programming, ever. And then they were also the first band we interviewed on any of our programming, so we kind of come full circle. They have new music out at the perfect time, and they're based here just like us. So we figured nothing more appropriate to kick off this new Nashville era of the Quinn Spin. So you hear that in just a second. For now, enjoy your month and grab some muffins on the way out. Take it away, Adam. There's no telling what 